Welcome to the Word Encounter episode 154, where we will pick things back up in Ezekiel chapter 5. We left off chapter 4 yesterday. And recall Ezekiel in his language, he uses a very symbolic language as the Lord is describing him what is about to happen with regard to the exiles. And so that uh, trend doesn't change in chapter 5. So let's get started. And the title says, Ezekiel dramatizes Jerusalem's fall. And it says in verse 1, Now you, son of man, take a sharp sword, use it as you would a barber's razor, and shave your head and beard. Then take a set of scales and divide the hair. It says in verse 2, You are to burn a third of it in the city when the days of the siege have ended. You are to take a third and slash it with the sword all around the city, and you are to scatter a third to the wind, for I will draw a sword to chase after them. And that's something. And so the Lord says, not only am I going to do these uh, drastic things to them, but as you scatter the a third of the sword, uh, excuse me, the third of the hair in the wind, I'm going to chase after them <laughs> in order to draw the sword. We drop down to verse seven, and it says, therefore, this is what the Lord says. He says, because you have been more insubordinate than the nations around you, you've been, the Lord is saying, you have been more detestable than the, than the nations around you, the nations that I don't call my children. My children have been more detestable than those. It says, you have not walked in my statutes or kept my ordinances. It says, you have not even kept the ordinances of the nations around you. Now, I don't know what those ordinances were in those nations uh, because the Lord did not give them uh, the Ten Commandments and he did not dictate to them his laws or ordinances. But I do know this, that the Lord does drop his ways and his means and his character and nature in the spirits of people. See, we have an innate knowledge of good and evil. You know, nobody has to teach us this. We just have this sense of what's right and wrong, what's just and unjust. All that is placed there by the Lord. And so then in verse eight, it says, therefore, this is what, um, therefore, this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself am against you, Jerusalem, and I will execute judgments within you in the sight of the nations. Note, he says, I will execute judgments within you. No, I will execute judgments within your nation in the sight of all the nations that you will become an example because they will see what happens to you. Verse nine, it says, uh, says, because of all your detestable practices, I will do to you what I have done. Oh, wow. It says, I will do to you what I have never done before and what I will never do again. This is kind of what he said to Noah when it came to the flood. He said he would never do it again. He had never done it before. He would never do it again. He's saying the same thing here. I'm going to do to you the things I'm going to do to you. I have never done before, and I will never do it again. Now, that, that gives you some insight as to the dire nature of what's awaiting uh, the Judeans. And then it says in verse 10, as a result, fathers, wow. As a result, fathers will eat, fathers will eat their sons within Jerusalem and sons will eat their fathers. The famine is going to be so bad. People are going to be so hungry, dying of starvation and whatnot because of the siege against them by the Babylonians that they're going to have to resort to cannibalism of their own. It says, I will execute judgments against you and scatter all your survivors to every direction of the wind. So if you survive that, 
then you're going to be scattered. Then it says in verse 12, a third of your people will die by plague and be consumed by famine within you. A third will fall by the sword all around you. And I will scatter a third to, uh, to every direction of the wind, and I will draw the sword to chase him. And so when he had Ezekiel cut his hair to represent three different piles of things, that was symbolic of what was going to happen to the people, which he's spelling out right here. In verse 17, it says, uh, let me go over here. In verse 17, it says, I will send famine and dangerous animals against you. They will leave you childless. <laughs> he's saying he's going to send famine and dangerous animals, and one or the other is going to take out your children. Either they're going to die of starvation or they're going to get mauled by animals. I will leave you childless. Plague and bloodshed will sweep, uh, will sweep through you. I will bring a sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, I don't know what you say with, <laughs> against that kind of verdict. <laughs> you just accept it. <clears throat> Chapter six, it says prophecy against Israel's idolatry. And so it says the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, face the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Now the mountains are the high places in Israel, right? The high places are where people would venture to do their idolatry, idolatrous worship. So they would go up there, they would worship the sun, moon, and stars. They would uh, worship other, uh, other gods and idols and whatnot. So they go to the hilltops uh, as a worshiping place, kind of like as a, a pagan um, sanctuary, if you will. And so the Lord is coming against that. He says, Son of man, face the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. You are to say, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. This is what the Lord God says to the mountains and the hills. To the uh, ravines and the valleys, I'm about to bring a sword against you and I will destroy your high places. So he's saying, I am going to destroy your places of worship. I am going to destroy the places where you have committed adultery against me. This is essentially what he's saying. And it says uh, verse four, your altars will be desolate and your shrines smashed. I will throw down your slain in front of your idols. Wow, so he's going to smash the temples of the idols and he's going to throw down uh, the slain bodies in front of the uh, uh, idols to, 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 to symbolize and to give an illustration of how powerless these idols are. So you've been doing all this stuff. You've been worshiping powerless things. We drop down to verse eight. It says, yet I will leave a remnant when you are scattered among the nations. Uh, for throughout the countries, there will be some of you who will escape the sword. So he's saying, look, I'm not going to destroy everybody. There are going to be some people that I'm going to leave behind. I'm going to leave behind a remnant. Most of y'all are gone, but I'm going to leave behind a remnant. And then it says in verse nine, then your survival, then your survivors will remember me among the nations where they are um, taken captive, how I was crushed by their promiscuous hearts and turned away from me and by their eyes that lusted after their idols. See, the Lord is saying, look, <clears throat> I was crushed by your hearts, by your hearts that, that went astray. I was crushed. See, I was crushed by the hearts that turned away from me, by the eyes that lusted after their idols. And so he was, he's essentially putting it in terms like a man and a woman are married and the man turns away or the woman turns away and their heart is captured by somebody else. And you're saying, look, I was crushed by this action. 
I was absolutely crushed that your eyes lusted after somebody else. See, it says they will loathe themselves because of the evil things they did, their detestable actions of every kind. It says they're going to they're going to end up hating themselves because they did this. A lot of times we see this in a marriage or a couple being together that somebody goes astray. They think they want somebody else. And then they, they determine after a period, you know what? The grass ain't greener. <laughs> I want to get back with my wife. I want to get back with my husband. And that doesn't happen. And they, they find out, uh, they come to a position where they're loathing themselves. See, <sighs> They loathe themselves because of the evil things they did. They're detestable actions of every kind. In verse 10 it says, and they will know that I am the Lord. See? And so what's happening here is that um, <clears throat> their survivors will remember what's going on. So this is like a memorial. The, su the survivors are going to remember uh, all the things that happened, why the Lord's anger turned against them. See, and they're going to be able to pass this on, you know, to those that are coming forth, the young ones that are coming up, that the Lord did, uh, did not just do this without just cause. See, we were horrible. We were terrible. We turned to other lovers, you know. Then it says in verse 10, it says, and they will know that I am Lord. I did not threaten to bring this disaster on them without a reason. See? So the Lord is saying, look, I'm not just doing this gratuitously. I'm not just doing this because I can do it. I gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn from their wicked ways. Yet they kept pursuing their lovers. They kept pursuing foreign gods. They kept pursuing idols. They kept pursuing everything except me. They were trying to replace me with these other things. I tried, you know, but they kept doing it. <clears throat> then we go on to um, chapter 7. Chapter 7 says, announcement of the end. That sounds kind of ominous. And so in verse 8, he says, I will pour out my wrath on you very soon. Again, he's speaking through Ezekiel. Ezekiel is prophesying his word. He says, I will exhaust my anger against you and judge you according to your ways. I will punish you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity or spare you. I will punish you for your ways and for your detestable practices within you. Then you will know that it is I, the Lord, who strikes See, I, what the Lord is saying is, look, I don't want anybody else to be attributed to what I am doing. See, this is what I'm doing. Don't, it's nobody else, nothing else. This is me. This isn't happenstance. This isn't coincidence. This isn't, you know, uh, uh, the lust of other lands by some other foreign power. This is me. I'm behind this. I want you to know that I'm behind this, and I want you to know why. <clears throat> so that you can make proper um, assignment of who is responsible for this uh, vengeance. It's me. I mean, ultimately, you're responsible because you did not obey. You did not hearken on to my voice. But this is me who is bringing my wrath. We go on to verse 16, and it says, The survivors among them will escape and live on the mountains like doves of the valley. All of them will moan, each over his own inequity. Then it says, all their hands will become weak and all their knees will run with urine. <laughs> they, 
their hands will become weak and they'll, they'll be afraid as manifested by urine running down their legs. And then it says in verse 18, they will put on sackcloth and honor uh, will overwhelm them. See? Shame will cover all their faces and all their uh, heads will be bald. Then it says they will throw their silver into the street and their gold will be seen like something filthy. Their silver and their gold will be unable to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. Wait, I'm going to withhold comment for a second. It says they will not, um, they will not satisfy their appetites. In other words, the silver and gold will not satisfy their appetites or fill their stomachs. Here's the key. For these were the stumbling blocks that brought about their iniquity. These being what? The gold and the silver. The love and the pursuit of gold and the silver is what brought about their inequity. If that isn't a present day word, I don't know what is. Let me read that again. It says in verse 19, they will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will seem like something filthy. Their silver and gold will be unable to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. They will not satisfy their appetites or fill their stomachs. For these were the stumbling blocks that brought about their iniquity. That is a warning. We spend so much time and energy pursuing riches, gold and silver, if you will. It dominates our thoughts. It dominates our moods. It dominates our actions. It says, in the day of the Lord's wrath, they will not satisfy. They have no power to satisfy. See, that you can't eat it. You can't eat dollar bills. You know, today everything's electronic. You can't eat digital money. You can't do that. We spend so much time pursuing these things. We send, spend so much uh, 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 mental and emotional capital in trying to acquire these things that we lose sight. We lose sight of the important things. We lose sight of following God. As a matter of fact, we may disdain following God, thinking that God is getting in the way of the acquisition of my gold and silver. But at the end of the day, what power does it really have? See, that's the question. What power does it really have? <clears throat> you know, we live in a time where there are economic systems throughout the world that are controlled by computers. You know, people are behind their computers, but a lot of these things have automatic switches and whatnot. They've been programmed and, and, and whatnot, and things just happen. And so you could have all your money residing on a computer somewhere. It's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to hackers. It's vulnerable uh, to other things that could come against uh, uh, electronic um, uh, operations of, uh, of computers and, 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 and things like that. Things can crash. And so we spend all our time pursuing all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, what power does it really have? And that was the downfall of the Israelites. They were pursuing riches. They were pursuing, you know, uh, cattle and, and, and goats and, and land and property and gold and silver. <clears throat> they were in pursuit of all this stuff. And it says, because of this, this was the source of your iniquity. Verse 27 says, the king will mourn, the prince will be clothed in grief, and the hands of the people of the land will tremble. 
I will deal them. I will deal with them according to their own conduct. I will judge them by their own standards. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Let me repeat that. I will deal with them according to their own conduct and I will judge them by their own standards. That is scary. See, because we're not consistent in our conduct and we're not consistent in our standards. See, our standards we allow to float and change based on the circumstances. See, our standards will change, uh, continue to change based on uh, how those standards benefit me. See, so I'm willing to extend myself certain standards because they benefit me, but I would hold those same standards against somebody else. And, and so I'm allowing myself leeway where I don't allow leeway for somebody else. It's not me. And so we, we have uh, situational standards, circumstantial standards. And when that exists, then you're in trouble. I'll give you a perfect example. Here in the United States, we have two political parties. And people align themselves with one party or the other party. And what people do is they will extend their party liberty in doing certain things that they would never extend to the other party. They would hold that against them. In other words, what my team does or how my team conducts itself, everything is available for them because I need them to win. But if the other team does the same thing, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. See? And so what happens is our standards float. And we just don't have one consistent standard, regardless of whether you're on my team or not. You cannot violate the standards. And so the Lord has a standard, has a standard for conduct, has a standard for, for beliefs, have, has a standard. And, and, and he does not change yesterday, today, or forever. His is consistent. doesn't matter who it is. It's irrelevant. Rich, poor, black, white, red, yellow, Martian, alien, is there, it's irrelevant. It does not matter. The question is, are you abiding by his standards? That's the question. The, 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 the standard doesn't change based on who you are or what your name is. Let's go on to chapter 8. It says... Um, visionary journey to Jerusalem. It says in the sixth year of the sixth month on the fifth day of the month, I was sitting in my house and the elders of Judah were sitting in front of me. And, uh, there the hand of the Lord came down on me it says in verse two, I looked and there was someone who looked like a man from what seemed, uh, to be his waist down was fire. And from his waist up was something that looked bright, like a gleam of amber. So he's, he's describing a similar thing he described before, which is the Lord Jesus, uh, angel of the Lord, you know, a, a, a deity, some kind of divine figure. Okay. And, but he says before this, and remember this, he says, I was sitting in my house and the elders uh, of Judah were sitting with me. Remember that. And verse three, he says, uh, this being, he says, he stretched out what appeared to be a hand and took me by the hair of my head. Then the spirit lifted me up or lifted uh, lifted me between earth and heaven and carried me in visions of God of Jerusalem. See? So, so a spirit came down, lift him up by his hair. And he was in, he was in this visionary world, seeing visions of God and seeing what, what, what God had uh, for him to see. It says pagan practices in the temple. So this is what he saw. 
It says, the Lord said to me, son of man, look towards the north. I looked to the north and there was an offensive statue north of the altar gate at the entrance. He said to me, son of man, uh, do you see what they are doing here? Now he says this a lot. Son of man, do you see this? Do you see this? Son of man, do you see what they are doing here? More detestable acts that the house of Israel is committing. In other words, so when we read in Kings and first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles, and other, it's, it seemed like Israel was more wretched and more vile than Judah. It seemed like Israel was doing more detestable things than Judah ended up doing. But this is being made clear here. It says his, that that there that, that Judah, oh, excuse me, that Judah is doing more acts or, or is doing acts that are more detestable than the house of than the house of uh, Israel ever did. It said, so that they must depart from my sanctuary. You will see even more detestable acts. In verse seven, it says, then he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. He said to me, son of man, dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall and discovered a doorway. In verse 9, he said to me, go in and see the detestable wicked acts they are committing. Verse 10, it says, I went in and looked. And there uh, engraved all around the wall was every kind of abhorrent, abhorrent thing, crawling creatures and beasts, as well as all the idols of the house of Israel. In verse 11, it says, 70 elders from the house of Israel were standing before them. So 70 uh, elders of the house of Israel were standing before uh, these detestable, abhorrent things. And it says, Jehanaz, or excuse me, Jehazaniah, standing among them. So I guess he was a chief priest. I don't know. Uh, Each had a fire pan. Uh, in his hand, and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. And so the fire pans with incense rising, smoke rising from the incense, this was a, a tool of idol worship. So it says 70 elders were there. Now remember, um, uh, before he went on the vision, Ezekiel was sitting amongst the elders. They were at his house, presumably seeking the Lord. Why would they come to Ezekiel? They knew he was a prophet of the Lord. So he's coming there. So presumably they're there seeking the Lord. But here the Lord is showing him in in visions what they're doing behind closed doors. See what they're doing in the darkness that they think nobody sees. And so they're worshiping these idols in the darkness. And so in verse 12, he said to me, son of man, do you see this? Do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are, are doing in the darkness? Each at a shrine of his idol. For they are saying, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has abandoned the land. So they're saying, look, look, the Lord can't, the Lord is stupid. He's blind. He doesn't see what we're doing. So we're going to worship our idols in darkness and do our chants and incense and this, that, and the other. In verse 13, he says, again, he said to me, you will never see even more. You you will even see more uh, detestable acts than they are committing here. He says, you're going to see more. And then it says in verse uh, 14, then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the Lord's house. And I saw women sitting there weeping for Tammuz. It's another God, a foreign God. And it says in verse 15, and he said to me, do you see this son of man? You will see even more detestable acts than these. He goes on. So he brought me to the uh, inner court of the Lord's house and And there were about 75 men, no, excuse me, there were about 25 men at the entrance of the Lord's temple between the portico and the altar with their backs to the Lord's temple and their faces towards the east. They were bowing uh, to the east in worship of the sun. In verse 17, and he said to me, do you see this son of man? So he keeps saying, do you see the son of man? Do you see what they're doing? Do you see all of the acts that they're committing? 
And so, you know, he's very, uh, I believe that the Lord is very animated in his discussions with Ezekiel because he's, he's trying to show Ezekiel uh, what's going on behind closed doors and why he's so upset and angry with his people. These are their leaders. These are, and they're doing this stuff behind closed doors. It says in verse 18, therefore, I will respond with wrath. I will not show pity or spare them, though they call loudly in my hearing. I will not listen to them. So we see that the Lord is very, very, very committed to doing uh, what he says he's going to do because of all these detestable acts that people are doing in public and doing behind closed doors. You know, this is serious business here. The Lord is very jealous for himself, and he does not like when we allow other things to take his place in our life. He's given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. With that in mind, if you have not invited Jesus into your heart and to be Lord of your life, to be able to guide and steer you in proper directions, then there's no time like the present. Because the word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God saved him from the dead, that God rose him from the dead, and then ascended into heaven, you will be saved. That's what the word says. And we're building up to a point where we're going to connect all this stuff to Jesus. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay? We haven't gotten there yet. And so with that, we'll pick it up in uh, what chapter 9 tomorrow. Everybody be blessed, take care, and stay safe. Bye-bye.